eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's weekend preview time. We got the North London Derby. We got Sevilla against Real Betis. We got Napoli against AC Milan. We got so many games. We also talk Liga MX, a little bit MLS. Jimmy Conrad joins us. We got your betting tips, analysis, and so much more. Weekend preview. Que golazo begins right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kego Lasso, my favorite episode of the week, our weekend preview, Jimmy Conrad. What's up, brother? What's up? How's it going? I'm excited, as always, to hear the soothing sounds of your voice, Luis, and of course, to entertain our listeners. Hope everybody's doing well out there. Absolutely. The Peruvian Barry White and the American uh, Marvin Gaye. How about we do that? <laughs> I'll take Although that. Marvin Gaye would... is American, so... <laughs> I'll take that. Marvin Gaye, silky, silky, smooth voice. I, I love it. I love it. Welcome, everybody. Que Golazo Weekend Preview. We have so much action to talk about, of course, the North London Derby, some good games in Spain and Italy. Uh, but, Jimmy, before I do that, my man, guess what Sunday is? Super Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy's so behind everybody. He, he's DVR'd the Super Bowl. He hasn't even found out. Yeah. <laughs> Who wins? Can't be Tom Brady. That guy's like 50 years old. Yeah, it can't be him. No, listen, it's Selection Sunday. It's the month of madness on the Eye on College Basketball podcast is here. Uh, and it's your audio guide for the entire NCAA tournament. Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander will offer a complete breakdown as soon as the bracket is announced on Sunday. So you stand a chance in your pool this year. The coverage continues with reactions after each day of games and previews of upcoming rounds. If you want the best March Madness analysis, Jimmy Conrad, you got to subscribe to the eye on college basketball. So I said basketball wrong. The eye on college basketball podcast, Jimmy, anywhere. You just can't find a better pod, man. Listen, I went to UCLA. We've won more college basketball championships than anybody else. So I concur with your sentiments. <laughs> You're excited. I'm excited. I am excited. I love it. Make sure that you subscribe to the Eye on College Basketball, okay? All right, let's move on here, beginning with the Premier League weekend. Preview Jimmy Conrad, some big games. And listen, everybody, some good games are on Sunday. Some good games are on Saturday. We're just going to give you like a flavor, all right? So we're not, we're not going to do it uh, chronologically. We're just going to do it, uh, I don't know, popularity-wise, I guess, Jimmy. <laughs> let's begin with the North London Derby. That one is on Sunday. Huge game, 
as Arsenal host Tottenham. Talk to me about this game, Jimmy. Well, what I found interesting, and I just, I guess I hadn't thought about it in a while, but Arsenal actually haven't beat Tottenham in over two years. And that was pretty surprising. And the last two matchups that they've had recently were in December 6th, Tottenham won 2-0 at Spurs' stadium. And then again, uh, they played twice in, in the EPL. Well, that was earlier. That was to finish the Premier League. That was in July, July 12th. So right now, for whatever reason, it seems like Jose Mourinho's got the number of whoever's in charge of Arsenal at the moment. And right now, that is Mikel Arteta. I don't know. This one's tough. They both play in the Europa League. I don't know how you feel, Luis, and everybody out there. I got a draw on this one. There's great value. However you guys feel, if you're going to bet with your head or your heart, plus 155 for Arsenal to win straight up on William Hill, plus 235 for the draw, plus 175 for Spurs to win. We could argue Spurs are in a little bit better form, just given how they've been playing and how many goals they've been scoring. They've scored over four goals in their last six games, and that is pretty productive for them in particular who seem to struggle scoring, or at least did during their a bit of a rut uh, with regard to Arsenal, I was pretty disappointed in their 1-1 draw against Burnley the previous weekend. Obviously, they got a big one in Greece against Olympiacos, so we'll see how they perform there. But that aside, let's leave the Europa League stuff aside. Just from a Premier League perspective, they missed a big opportunity to gain some points against a Burnley team that had been struggling. My other line that I'm looking at outside of both teams to score and the draw, which is plus 290, is Harry Kane to score the first or last goal, plus 200. I don't think he's going to start against and even if he does I don't think he's going to play the full 90 I think they want to keep him fresh for this one because when you look at these two these two teams Luis this is a rivalry game and if you have a crappy season like both of these are kind of having in the league the the number one thing you're going to do if like listen we're not going to qualify for Europe we have to finish above our rivals and I think that matters and I think they're both going to be after it and they have to balance something midweek which obviously makes it a little bit more difficult but I don't think Harry Kane needs to be risked uh in, in the first leg and maybe even start uh, against um, Dinamo Zagreb. So I know I'm speculating here, but I just think that there's going to be some lineup changes. And I think that maybe a little bit more depth gives Spurs a bit of an advantage, whereas Arsenal, I think, have to go for it against Olympiacos. Yeah, and the other advantage, of course, is that Tottenham is on a roll right now. I mean, they're playing well, they're confident. Uh, you know, you mentioned all these players, Harry Kane, but also the supporting cast, Gareth Bale is looking good. Who knows? I think Hyunmin Son, that's given him more freedom to do more things, I think. Uh, but to your point about ending above each other in the Premier League, I think it's more realistic for Tottenham to get European qualification than it is for Arsenal, who are in 10th mm -hmm. uh, with 38 points. Um, so, you know, that's definitely very difficult. I think the Europa League uh, is honestly their, their best bet of handsome Europe next year, just like when we talked about Liverpool and the Champions League. This is a big game, as you said. The North London Derby is historically big. I th I did not realize that, that Arsenal hasn't been in Tottenham in two years. That's mm -hmm. crazy. And I'm wondering how Mikel Arteta and co. are going to feel about that. But, you know, we talked about this earlier in the week, Jimmy. Joseph Marine is going to be up for this. He's going to really want this one. Um, I, I just feel that especially Tottenham being seventh uh, with 45 points, one uh, under Everton. Of course, uh, we'll have to wait and see what Everton does as well. And two under West Ham. They play Man United as well on Sunday. So they have a chance to keep on climbing. But most importantly, Mourinho is probably feeling good about his squad. And it's going to be tough. I believe that this two-year of Arsenal not being Tottenham is going to continue. I don't see Arsenal beating them. I don't know if it'll be a lot. Maybe it's a draw. But I don't see Arsenal winning this. Uh, what do you think? Any other thoughts here? I, I, so I've kind of been speaking from the Tottenham perspective. 
with regards to their lineups and all that. But let's take a look from Arsenal and, and through their lens. They can't lose this game, Luis. They, they have so much that's not going right for them this season. They're not going to finish in the top four. Most likely won't finish in the top six. They are grasping at straws if they think they're going to get through a very tough Europa League competition to, to try to qualify for Europe, despite the success that they've had in this competition before and, and getting to a final and unfortunately losing to Chelsea. Didn't mean to bring up old stuff, everybody, but they can't lose this one either. And that's why I feel like a split of the points is probably one where everybody's like, okay, good firm handshake. Well done after 90 minutes. That was a tough one, but we'll get both get out of here with a 1-1. And, and then we'll move on with the rest of our season. That's where I think it has to. And so as much as we're saying that Jose Mourinho has to win this one and wants to win this one, Mikel Arteta and, and his players have this circled on their calendar as well. I just feel like when you look at who got the better luck of the Europa League draw, Tottenham gets to, gets to host Dinamo Zagreb in the first leg. They've already proven that they've got this B squad that can have success. And they've got an opponent that, that can maybe, I don't know, it depends on how Mourinho wants to, push forward. You want to obviously get as many goals as you can in that first leg. So that second leg's a little bit easier. Arsenal have to travel to Greece to play against a very good team in Olympiacos who are excellent at home. And I think they have to throw everything at that if they want to continue to your point of having success in this competition. So I just think things, little things, we're talking about the little things here, the fine margins, which ultimately decide who win games and who doesn't. They're all kind of tilting towards uh, Spurs at the moment. However, I think that Arsenal are going to have something here. They have to have something here. And I think that rivalry in this rivalry is going to bring that out of them. So I see a draw. I just don't see other either team giving up that little something to lose this game. I both think they're going to make plays to, to make sure they salvage at least a point. Yeah. I think I'm leaning there. I'm leaning with a draw there. Um, all right. Well, listen, here's the thing. Uh, let's say Harry Kane, right on, on form, you know, what's your best bet here? Do you think? I like Harry Kane to score the first or last goal. I, I like that with the emergence of Gareth Bale, who you importantly brought up. I don't know if importantly brought up is actually a proper <laughs> phrase, but I said it anyway. You guys know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> I hope. And we'll take it. We'll take it. They, they've given, he, because he's become so much more dangerous, it's given more balance to the team because now defenses can't stack one side against Hingman's son and stack up Harry Kane with two center backs and, and really lock down one. With Gareth Bale, now providing some some theatrics and, and some some production right goals and assists it now forces defenses to uh now we gotta actually we can't defend gareth bale one-on-one -on -one anymore because he's very good in those situations and when that happens and when he starts pulling defenders over to gareth bale it's going to create more space for hingman's son and harry kane to do their thing in dombele underneath as well uh and whoever else is playing underneath Eli ali lucas whoever it may, may be lamella it's, it's just created more opportunities for these other players. And that's a good thing. And that's why they've scored four goals in four out of their last six games. I mean, they are really unlocking things. And I think a big piece is Gareth Bale. So if he's up for it, I don't know if he's going to start either uh, in the, in the Europa league. And, and you, you, if, if Mourinho, and this is the, this is the, this is the thing from, this is the challenge for all the big clubs. You have to be able to balance. You have to have that depth to compete in multiple competitions. Mourinho, I think would roll the dice. Let's leave Hingman's son, Harry Kane and Gareth Bale on the bench for the, the Europa League, and then let's roll those guys out for, for against Arsenal and try to get all three points against our biggest rival. That's what I would do. Try to keep it close to the Europa League because then you can just go win it in the second leg and deal with that later and, and really try to go stomp on Arsenal's throats. Now, Mikel Arteta doesn't have that same luxury. He doesn't have the same depth 
And I'm, I'm curious to see how this is all going to play out. But it should be one hell of a game. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, as you listen to this, by the way, uh, you know, taking notion and we're talking this uh, as we're taping before the Europa League as well. So, you know, take that with a pinch of salt. All right, let's move on in the Premier League, my friend. Uh, Some good games. I'll just give you some fixtures. You go wherever you want. Uh, Manchester United host West Ham. That's a big one. Uh, Leeds United against Chelsea. Fulham host Man City. Uh, You know, important for both teams uh, at opposite sides of the table and plenty more. Where do you want to go, my friend? So I'll do really quick Leeds-Chelsea. I love this matchup because Leeds out of, I'm going to look at it right now, 27 games so far in the Premier League. They've only drawn twice. So you're either winning with these guys or you're losing with these guys. And the fact that this is Marcelo Bielsa, who is hailed as a genius by so many managers around the world, is going to get his first crack against Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea. I love it. Now, Chelsea are the heavy favorites on William Hill. I kind of like Leeds. They're hosting this one at home. I don't care about form. I just feel like Marcelo Bielsa having a week to prepare against Tom. I, I just want to see it from a from a tactical geek perspective. So there's not going to be – it's either Chelsea win or, or Leeds win. There's no draw on the cards here. I kind of like Leeds as a bit of a flyer, plus 360 to win straight up in this one because, honestly, they either lose 5-0 or they win 5-0. And this Chelsea team just – aren't very good in the attacking third at the moment. Very good defensively, but we'll see. I I bet you Bielsa has been working on a few things, been paying attention to Tuchel and and the success he's been having, the little tinkering he's been doing with his club. And I think Bielsa is going to try to find those cracks and exploit them. We'll see. So I like that one a lot from kind of a manager versus manager perspective, and obviously some talented players on the field. And then uh, with regard to Fulham and City, Fulham are one of the hottest, most informed teams in the Premier League, and now they are – inches away from climbing out of the relegation zone. So respect to Scott Barker uh, for, for getting his team so organized defensively as well. They've been very, very stout. They got Man City coming in. Man City ha- are unbeaten in their last nine at Craven Cottage. They've won six of those, uh, drawn the other three. City are just way too good in, in so many different ways. I thought they rebounded nicely after losing the Manchester Derby, beating Southampton five to two. I just don't think you're slowing down this Southampton train. I don't even really know where Fulham's going to get a goal, frankly. So I could see a 1-0 or, or, or 2-1 maybe, 3-1. I don't know. I just don't think City's going to lose this. So I got a parlay for you, Luis. All right, I, got, I, I got these two managers that absolutely love each other, Marcelo Bielsa and Leeds winning and, and Man City beating Fulham. And that pays plus 519 if you pick both of those clubs to win. Obviously, the big risk is Leeds. But I'm going with those guys having some good vibes this weekend and pulling that off. So let's talk Man United-West Ham because this is a very good one. Uh, Man United in second, 54 points. Leicester right behind them with 53. Chelsea on 50 in fourth. West Ham on 48 points. So this is a big, big game for West Ham in particular. Uh, the last league matchup, if you guys remember, uh, Thomas Suchek scored early at London Stadium, 1-0. And then United scored three in the second half. Paul Pogba started the whole thing with a great goal from outside the box. I don't know if you guys remember that or not, but that was kind of where Pogba was not really playing much and everybody was disappointed in him. And then he scored an absolute banger. And they really took off from there. They ended up scoring three in that game. The last matchup they played was in the FA Cup. It was 0-0 after 90 minutes. Scott McTominay scored in the 97th minute to help them get through the FA Cup. That was at Old Trafford. This one's at Old Trafford. My concern is that Manchester United have a midweek game against AC Milan, a very good opponent. West Ham have had all week to just chill and prepare for this. I think that matters. This, for me, seems like it's got 1-1 written all over it. If this game was at London Stadium, I'd go with Manchester United. But when it's at Old Trafford, it's just things are different there. And I like the 1-1. So I like the draw and under 2.5 goals plus 340. So that allows for a 0-0 
as well. So those are my kind of notes on those three games in particular, Luis. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Just some quick thoughts here, by the way. I think something's got to give with Thomas Tuchel and Chelsea. They have to lose one of them, right? And I, Why not to Bielsa? It could be to Bielsa, even though, by the way, though, uh, they at least have lost seven of their last 10 league, league games, including Whatever. five. Including five of their last six. But I know, I know. Uh, the narrative is always there to be changed. So who knows? Uh, in terms of Fulham Man City, I totally agree. I think it's going to be tight, very difficult. Man City will come out with that one. And Manchester United, West Ham. Oh, man. I mean, listen, Jesse Lingard has been fantastic for West Ham. I'm feeling that he's going to be extra motivated to do some things here. But it might just not be enough for a win could be a hard-fought, entertaining draw. Who knows? But watch out for Jesse Lingard, Jimmy. I wonder if, as I'm talking, if you can give me some lines here, because I'm wondering, what, what is it if he even... You know, listen, he's been extremely productive from both an assist perspective and goals, right? It was his penalty, right, that started it all off in the last game. I right. wonder what, if he scored or even set an assist against his, uh, uh, you know, Manchester United, what, what could that be? They're not even giving me a line on him scoring oh, any time. Really? I feel yeah. it's very so, important. <laughs> I'm trying to decide, like, are they doing that on purpose because they know Lingard's going to score? Or is it because he's not allowed to play against Manchester United? Oh, is that know. true? Is I, Jesse, I don't know. I mean, he's not he, on this. So William Hill, not always up to date on, on all the. Oh, no, that's a good news. point. Is he is he tied? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I think he is, actually. So completely ignore what I just said. No, but you're right. It would be amazing to see Jesse Lingard play against Manchester United, and I'm here for that, but I don't see his name on any of these scoring lists. No, he's not He's not part of it. So completely ignore what I said. It's unfortunate. <laughs> well, no, now, actually, now I'm pivoting, and I think Manchester United will take this. I think Lingard... Wow. I think, listen, Lingard has been incredibly influential for West Ham. Incre he's been so influential. Both he can, assists, he can both. still be influential. He's got a whole week to hang out with the guys. He can still be there in the stands and support them on the team bus. Like he can still have his influence off the field and, and give those on. positive good vibes. I, I honestly, I just think if United didn't have a midweek game, then I would be leaning more towards you saying, yes, United's got this. They've been very good defensively in particular. That's but true. That, and United that, have injuries as well. Game is is crazy. It is that game is in Manchester as well. So it's not like they're traveling to Italy to have to play this one. It's like we said about Arsenal, who do have to take that extra trip in the middle of the week. They are playing at home, and then they got another home. So, so yes, you can make a strong argument to as to why. But just something for everybody to consider that 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 midweek game it matters. They've, they've put so much mileage on their bodies this season. Uh, Bruno Fernandez in particular. So just 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 something to keep in mind. Yeah, and there's injuries as well for United as well to think about. A lot, a lot of them. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll think about that. All right, uh, anything else in the Premier League before we take a quick break here, Jimmy Conrad? No, I, th I think I'm cool. Obviously, Newcastle-Aston Villa is Friday, and, and Newcastle have to get something out of it. But Aston Villa are probably better, and I like. Well, there's no Jack Grealish in this one once again. Uh, Matty Cash matter. does return, and we're all <laughs> yeah. No Miguel Almiron, no uh, Saint Maxim. That that's obviously a problem for Newcastle as well. Hey Jimmy, by the way, uh, I have to tape this one. All right, so you, the, I'm going to turn my phone off. If Newcastle does something, I don't want any texts from you. I don't want anybody to bug me. It's the first Villa game I have to tape. Uh, the weather's so nice in New York. I have to do something with my wife, and she said, "Listen." I give you carte blanche with Villa every weekend, not this Friday. So alert everybody. I'm taping this game. Don't bug me. I mean, if you 
lose to this Newcastle team. Do not text me. Miguel Almiron or Alonso Maximi. I am texting you because that, that would be absolutely embarrassing. Oh, man. Then I have to turn my phone off. <laughs> All right, everybody. We're going to take a quick break here, but there's plenty of games uh, around Europe, including La Liga, Serie A, and much more. Stay right here. Okay, Golazo Weekend Preview. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back, everybody, to Que Golazo Weekend Preview here with Jimmy Conrad. Jimmy, let's go, Where do you want to, go? to Spain. Spain, España. Yeah. Uh, I feel that there's a good game here, and I'm not talking about the big boys, although these are big boys, but I'm not talking about Real Madrid, Barcelona. I'm talking about Sevilla, against Real Betis, a beautiful derby right here. What do you have? Yeah, it's the El Gran Derby. It's one of the friendliest derbies, I think, around the world, yeah. but also respectful very intense, derby. Yeah. very respectful. So so the, as history goes, Sevilla started first, and then a couple of people wanted to break off, like all these other clubs, and, and Betis was formed from there back in 1914 or something. So, But they've always been friends. It's always been a really friendly, amicable relationship and, and derby. So I'm excited to see mainly because Sevilla are not playing well. That was a really nice way of me saying that, very polite. And they're in fourth currently on 48 points. But Real Betis is in sixth, okay? They're on 42 points. They've won four straight. They're one of the hottest teams in all of La Liga. They're starting to figure it out. And now, if this is a six-point swing, they could, they could gain three points on Sevilla here. And, and Sevilla still have a game at hand, so I want to keep that in mind for everybody. But still. And ultimately, Villarreal are five points behind Betis for that last Europa League spot. So the yellow submarine have some good players. Of course, Gerard Moreno in particular, he's, he's third in La Liga in scoring. They don't want to get caught for that spot. So they really need to get a result in this one. They played earlier this season, uh, right after the new year. It was 1-1 in Sevilla. I could see that happening again, frankly, uh, Luis. But I think my big narrative for, for most of these games today is how are you going to respond when things aren't going well? We're probably going to talk about RB Leipzig. They're taking on Eintracht Frankfurt, uh, you know, Napoli after they got knocked out by Granada. I mean, what are you going to do when things aren't going well? And I think Sevilla are in that moment right now. What are you going to, are you going to stand up and, and hold yourself accountable after getting, you know, flaming out to Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League, uh, losing to Barcelona when you had a 2-0 lead in the Copa del Rey semifinals? What are you going to do? What kind of team are you going to be to finish this season? Are you going to finish in the top four? Those are the big questions that I think Julian Lopetegui has to ask his men in Sevilla. 
I think they're going to rise to the challenge, but it's not always easy to do it in a big derby when you have the hottest team in La Liga. I mean, there's nobody else. I'm looking at La Liga right now. There's no other team that's won four straight games in the last four weeks uh, in La Liga. Only Real Batiste are the only ones to do that. So they're, they're rounding into some good form. I could see another draw in the cards. I'm going to look at that line for you. I, I thought I had it written down. I don't. But I'm curious as to your thoughts, uh, Luis, with regard to Sevilla, how do they respond to this after getting knocked out against Dortmund? I thought they showed okay in Dortmund in that second leg, and they fought back, but it was too little too late. And I feel like they have so many talented players, they should have done better. But what are they going to do now? Because I don't, they're not going to win the league, of course, but can they man, manage to, to hold on to that, that fourth spot to make sure they get into the Champions League next season? Yeah, this is very difficult. It's hard to even go further. Uh, even before the Copa del uh, Rey lost to Sevilla, uh, to Barcelona, sorry, but the league lost to Barcelona. Since then, they've really suffered. They've really not, because they beat Osasuna before that, but they haven't looked confident. They've looked confident in patches, and then mm -hmm. something happens, and then they break again. It's been very troubling for Sevilla. And to your point about Real Betis, you know, just like uh, Hansel and Zoolander, they're so hot right now. They're just, <laughs> they're just, they're just very, very good. And I tell you what, uh, Betis wins this, and they're only a win away from Sevilla. I know, uh, which is huge. It's massive. So you know, you got to give a lot of credit to uh, to Betis on this one. I feel that this is the game for Sevilla and Lopetegui to hopefully come back to their senses and say, "Listen, all right, we're out of the Champions League. It is what it is." Okay. Mm -hmm. But you need to understand that it's always about the future. We're still holding on to that Champions League spot. Let's keep that momentum. Let's keep that confidence of the fact that we're reasonably high up the table. And just please give me a solid performance. Because the problem with the Dortmund loss was that, and to your point, I remember we talked about it in the recap, was that they played well at the beginning. It's just that defensive issues, individual defensive issues cost them. So as long as they are strong and kind of do what Liverpool did against RB Leipzig yesterday and just be professional, mm -hmm. they should, but Betis is, is on a roll, man. I wouldn't be surprised if they win this, to be honest. I wouldn't either. And I actually misspoke. The first time they played in the league was at Real Betis' stadium and not Sevilla. They play in Sevilla this one. Sevilla, yeah. pretty good. Uh, pretty good at home. They have eight wins, uh, one draw, and three losses in 12 matches. And away from home, Betis, six wins, one draw, six losses. A little uneven there. But current form matters. It really does. And sometimes I don't always take that into consideration when I'm making bets because I'm thinking, all right, this is a derby, right? Everything. Everything's just kind of thrown out the window. But if you're not feeling good about yourself going into these big games and, and you don't have that collective sense of confidence that I think Sevilla is lacking right now, then I just think that gives Batiste a little bit of an opportunity to get in, get in there and, and take advantage of a team that might be a little bit vulnerable. And it's interesting because we talk about Sevilla being absolute world beaters a couple months ago. They were so good and they, they looked amazing and whatever, you know, whatever games we want to mention, just, just how much quality they have. And then you see the same team. You're like, what happens? What, how is that possible with, with this amount of talent on your team? How is that possible? And I, and I look at their center backs in, in particular, Jules Kounde and Diego Carlos, who have been so hyped. And after the January transfer window came, I feel like those guys were getting a lot of hype. Maybe they got a little distracted, but their form in particular has been significant. It's dropped off significantly. And the results reflect that. If you don't have two good center backs kind of making sure plays are done and you don't have a goalkeeper making good saves when you need them to, we saw it with Hugo Lloris with, with Tottenham. All of a sudden, he stopped making the saves you expect him to make, a World Cup winning goalkeeper. 
they start losing games and, and you can start to put all these pieces together. Like, oh, well, it's because Larice wasn't making saves at one time. And then, ah, oh, the, the defenders were making mistakes another time. And then all of a sudden you've got a bad run of form. And I think Sevilla's in the same thing. And, and you need to all of a sudden tighten everything up. It's just hard to know when to do that because all of a sudden you think you got the nine guys that were making mistakes in the previous nine weeks all doing great, but then it's a new guy that's making a mistake that's costing you the game. And I feel like Sevilla's in that vicious cycle right now. Anyway, that said, I, I like this one. I think it's going to be a draw. <laughs> plus, two, <laughs> plus 240 on William Hill, everybody. Well, that might be okay. I think I just think Sevilla are victims of their own success. I think it's, uh, you know, they, they, they succeed so well in the Europa League and, you know, uh, looking good. They finally make it to the knockout stage of the Champions League. And sometimes maybe that just overwhelms them. They're so good with the ball. The moment they lose yeah. it, that's yeah. the problem. And guess what? Real Betis managed by Manuel Pellegrini, who loves to hold that ball, loves yeah, to yeah. control. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. But a pretty big game. All right, let's move to let's move to Italy, Jimmy okay. Conrad, because I want to talk about you'd mentioned Napoli. Who do they have this weekend? They play AC Milan. Ooh, baby. I will say that Napoli have nothing left to play for. This is the only thing they can focus on now is the league. Milan obviously taking on Manchester United. So they've got a couple midweek games to, to pay attention to over the next few weeks. What's crazy is I went and looked at uh, Napoli's fixtures. Okay. This next week is going to determine their season. In my humble opinion, they are currently in six. So everybody knows in Serie A on 47 points, only two behind Atalanta. Okay. And they have a game in hand. But they're above Lazio by four points. But this next week is going to blow your mind, Luis. So they play Milan away from home at the huh? San Siro. Okay. They play Juve midweek to make up for that other game that didn't get played earlier in the season. Very and then in Turin. And then they go to Rome to take on Roma. Oh, my those God. Are the, the, <laughs> those are the three games they have this week. AC Milan, Juve, and Roma. So listen. If they can get points off of these three, all three of these clubs are above them in the table, right? So if you can take the scalps of these three teams or get some type of points, then you're going to put yourself back in the conversation for potentially top four, but for sure, make sure you solidify your stance to make sure at the very least you get in the Europa League next year. If they drop these games, they're all away from home. That's trouble. And Lazio, who had a great run there at the beginning of the year, had slowed down a little bit, will probably catch you. But this is the only thing Napoli has left to pay attention to. And you're running into a Juve team who's going to be pissed because they got knocked out by Porto in the Champions League, right? So, God, this is so hard for Napoli. And I feel like not only is this week important for the club in terms of where they finish, but also for the job of Gennaro Gattuso. Yeah. So when you think about it from this, they had a whole week to rest and prepare for this game. AC Milan had to travel to Manchester to play in the Europa League. For me, Napoli has to know this is our best opportunity out of all three of these games to get points off of these guys, especially because Laton is hurt. With injuries, right. is hurt. Uh, they, they have a ton of guys that are hurt. So Napoli have to go for it to really kind of set the tone and the attitude for the rest of the week because they got some massive games. I don't know what the result's going to be here because I don't know what Stefano Pioli, the manager of Milan, is going to roll out either against Manchester United or in this one. God, this is big games for both of these clubs, to be honest, because Milan needs to try to keep pace with Inter. Again, I, I hate, I, I know, I feel like every time I do weekend previews, I'm like, draw, 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 draw. <laughs> but the more I think it out and I try to extrapolate how I think these games are going to go and what the managers are going to do and, and how, how important it is for them to not drop points, right? You don't want to lose points to these guys either. I just feel like a draw could be on the cards. However, if you wanted to take a risk, 
I think the risk is, is putting money on Napoli to win this game because they have to. They absolutely have to win this game more so than any other game throughout the rest of their season. Yeah. I, I'm just going to throw that out there. You guys can do whatever you want on, on William Hill. But but that's that's where I'm leaning. Also, I do want to mention Torino is taking on Inter Milan. Torino are 18th place, right? Torino, very proud club. I usually stay up in Serie A. They're in the relegation zone right now by two points, okay? Torino have yet to win a game at home this season. And I just feel like Inter Milan, given what I saw them do in the Champions League and what I saw them do in the Coppa Italia, I could see them losing this game. You know, everything, everything's going right for Inter Milan, and yet they're going to lose to a team that's absolutely struggling that have yet to win at home. And I just wanted to throw that out there because I think it's interesting narrative. You have this team that is so desperate and trying to survive with everything they have, taking on the top team that's trying to win the Scudetto for the first time in 10 years. And I just love that narrative, and I want to throw that out there. Well, that's why we love this game, because anything can happen. And momentum, sure. I don't even believe in momentum because it can stop just like that. One word on Napoli, by the way. That's, this is the perfect example right now this moment right now that Napoli is about to face, as you say, those three next games of how a, a team's perception. And I want people to like, actually, if, you, if you're looking at Napoli for this next week, look at Gattuso's uh, press conference before this game this weekend, because it, it will tell you everything. This is about now a team thinking, are we glass half full or are we glass half empty? Because when you look at the league standings, as you mentioned, Napoli in six, but if they, they have a game in hand, right? from the teams above them yeah, apart, from, apart from Juventus because they're facing that one. Right. That's right. But let's, so let's say, let's say they win. Right. And they close in. They're only three points away from Roma. Who's in, in fourth. They get some points from Juventus. So this is all about perception. How are you going to go into this game? Are you confident about the fact that you can take some points from three matches or are you dreading it? And all, all will be told in that press conference with Gattuso, I think. So watch that press conference and put some money in it because I really believe that. You look at this table and if you're an Napoli fan, you're thinking, oh my God. But you could also think, you know what? It's for the taking. Let's do it. Let, let's yeah. climb up that table. So it all depends on that, I think. It's, uh, now that you mentioned those uh, following matches after this weekend, it really tells a lot. It really it's tells cr- a lot. It's crazy. I, I want to throw a shout-out to uh, Lorenzo Insigne, who has put the team on his back the last two games. Fantastic three goals, player. Three goals and an assist in his last two. If they're going to do anything against AC Milan, Juve, or Roma this week, he's going to be a big reason why. Uh, Cutus a Mert- button, Jimmy. Cutus a button. Well. button. So, so is his strike partner, Dries Mertens. You know, <laughs> I mean, he's coming back from injury as well. So they're starting to kind of round into getting back to full health. They were missing a lot of guys for a while, either due to COVID or injuries. And so no better time than now to get these guys back in full health and, and try to make a run at that top four spot. Yep. I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, let's see here. Well, I mean, we're, we're wrapping up right here. Is there yeah, any yeah. games that you want to bring on? Because I know that we could leave Europe for a second. Uh, we, could, we could. I got I got two games in particular. People, should, right. If you're into the Bundesliga, I think RB Leipzig versus Eintracht Frankfurt is a really interesting one. Uh, Leipzig obviously dropped out of the Champions League to Liverpool. Kind of listless in so many ways. Despite all the hype that that manager gets, Julian Nagelsmann and all of his players. He's been outmanaged more than once this season. Oh, no question. Uh, they didn't get. They didn't even look like they were going to score in those two legs. They made some mistakes. Obviously, Liverpool pounced, but but over two legs, Jurgen Klopp definitely outcoached him in a lot of different ways. They're still only two points behind Bayern Munich at the top of the table, and Eintracht Frankfurt have been very good this season, and, and they are in fourth. So they're only they're ten points behind RB Leipzig, but they're they're form though uneven the last two weeks with a draw and a loss. Prior to that. 
amazing. Andre Silva is the second leading scorer in the, in the Bundesliga behind Robert Lewandowski. So they have to keep an eye on him. I just want to see very similar to Sevilla. How does RB Leipzig respond to getting knocked out of the champions league? And this is a yeah. good opportunity for them to kind of write the ship. Very similar to Man City, right? They lost in the Man City, the Man City or the Manchester Derby and then came out and smacked Southampton five to two. That's how you respond to, to some disappointment. And then uh, in, in France, Monaco taking on Lille is, is a really good game. Monaco has been a surprise team under, um, uh, what's his, God, I can't think of his name. I just lost it for a second. Oh, Niko Kovac, who was coaching Bayern Munich before he got fired for Hansi Flick. He's done a really good job with Monaco this season. They're currently in fourth and they're taking on Lille, who are in first. And obviously Lille are trying to do everything they can to hold off PSG from winning the league. Good luck to them on that. I don't see that happening, but I'm curious to see how this game goes. Monaco's hosting this one, and it's two very good teams. So if you're looking to get into Liga and all, if you want to watch a good game from France, this would be a good one to start. But all right, let's go over to the Americas. Let's talk about Mexico. Liga MA Keys, baby. This is I got, the one, baby. I got a tasty one for you guys. Cruz Azul taking on Monterrey. Now, Cruz Azul are first. Monterrey are in third, okay? Two best defenses in the league. Now, Cruz Azul lost their first two games of the season, but since then have won eight straight. And, and they have six clean sheets over that time. They've conceded only three goals uh, in those eight games. But Monterrey have Rogelio Funes, Funes Mori. Sorry about Rogelio that. Funes Mori. Very good. Oh, I love that. FC Dallas Academy kid. Okay, so he actually was uh, going through the FC Dallas thing and then ultimately said, I'm leaving. I'm going to go try my luck somewhere else. I don't want to sign a contract with MLS. Longer story there. If you ever want to get into it, we can. He's got seven goals in seven games, Luis, uh, so far this season. He's second in, in Liga MA Keys in scoring. So even though Cruz Azul have been fantastic defensively, I just don't think you can slow, slow down the freight train that is Funes Mori. I'm going to say Cruz Azul to win and both teams to score. Funes Mori is going to score plus 340. So, so Cruz Azul to win, both teams to score plus 340. I found that on William Hill. I was, I was thrilled they had Liga MA Keys lines on it, and I'm, I'm taking this one to the bank. Yeah, I love it. Funes Mori, by the way, was the player. Before Higuain did his Inter-Miami thing, I thought Inter-Miami should have gone right on Funes Mori. He is yeah. just so good. Uh, in terms of Monterrey, by the way, because they're a squad and they have a very good experienced manager in Aguirre, just two wins in their last five games. It's just not good enough. Mm -hmm. So, and Cruz Azul, top of the Fire table. Fuego, I go baby. with that. I think that's a good one. I think that's Thank a good you. one. I, Thank I love you. it. You're welcome, everybody. Yeah, well, there you go. There you go. All right, everybody. That was our weekend preview. I hope you enjoyed it. Jimmy Conrad, before we say goodbye, any final words? I'm excited for MLS. Uh, I am an yeah, MLS holder. I, I, I played 12 years in MLS, so I'm, I'm, it's, it's partial to me. And I'm excited that whenever the season gets started. I know we're, we're still only at, we're a month out, but, but I just want letting you know, everybody, that the hype is real and I'm here for it. And again, We've asked you this before or told you this before, but if you need an MLS team to support this season, yeah, come to us. Just hit us up on, on Twitter, uh, you know, at LM Echegaray or, or at Jimmy Conrad or at K Golasso Pod. And you tell us who you currently support now. We'll find you an MLS squad because I think it's a lot more enjoyable if you have a rooting interest in a particular league. So make that. Yeah, happen. beautiful. Beautiful. What do you think of Atlanta United, by the way? I think they're going to do some things uh, with uh, hindsight, I think. I, I hope so. I hope so. I think he's coming in with everybody kind of down on Atlanta United. If he had taken over right away after their success of winning the MLS Cup, then then they would have run like, you know, Frank DeBoer ran into it, right? Everybody expected them to continue that and he failed miserably. But but Heinze comes in now on the back end of that where everybody's like, eh, 
I hope Atlanta United does good. They're, 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 they're back in the hope instead of expecting. And, right. and I think that's a, that's a good spot for Heinze to come in and, and uh, make some magic. I think he'll do well as well. I think I love his passion. You know, it's so, it's so clear. And uh, you can tell he loves the game. So it should be yeah. fun. Let's not forget the return of Joseph Martinez as well, coming back from injury. So every weekend, uh, every weekend, every weekend preview, I'm going to hopefully, we'll hopefully end it like this, MLS-wise, and just pick up a team and then just talk about them. Because I think Yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. Awesome, awesome. Jimmy Conrad, always good to have you, brother. Thank you, as always. Thank you for listening, everybody. Hey, everybody. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Kegolasso Pod. And as Jimmy said, please leave us some questions. And that was a good one. If you are excited about MLS or you want to get into it and you don't have a team, get at us. Uh, ask us and we'll hopefully answer it for you on the show. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, CBSSports.com. We are on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Lasso. Make sure that you connect with us as it helps us to grow the show. Have a great, great weekend. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.